Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today, my two stupendous co-hosts as usual. First up, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Thank you all for joining us, and I apologize ahead of time, I am a little bit under the weather, which is why I have this very, very masculine voice right now. Are you going to give us a ladies? Is that masculine? I think so. I mean, it's more masculine than my normal voice, right? Definitely. It's a little nasally. I apologize. But uh, I've got tea and backup tea and some water. We're going to get through this episode. And I'm not even planning on talking too much because this is our Gen Con 50 recap. Because uh, Dan and Tiff attended Gen Con and they got to play things, see things, and enjoy the sights and sounds of North America's biggest convention. And that's all we are going to be chatting about today. So uh, let's just jump in with a big open question. How is everyone feeling post-Gen Con? I think I've recovered, so yeah. that's good. good. I had to go good. right back to work, of course. So, <laughs> Are you back with kids yet? Yeah, we started with kids before Gen Con. So oh, I had right. two days with kids, abandoned them on Friday to a substitute, and, uh, and then went right back to him on Monday. Yeah. So you are back in the swing <laughs> of school, Tiff. Yep. Does that ho- <laughs> hopefully mean board game club at least? It was funny. I had kids on the very, like, the literal first day of school. Yeah. They should be worried about a lot of things. Board game club shouldn't be one of them, but I definitely had four of them stop by to see if we were having it. That's because you're teaching them right, Tiff. Yeah. They have priorities. You have a loyal group of followers. I appreciate this. We are starting um, not this coming week, but the week after that. Okay. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing about some of those games and some more lovely stories about the school system. Now that I'm out of it, I'm looking forward to reliving it vicariously (laughs) through you. Yeah. Uh, Dan, how are you doing? How are you feeling? I feel fine. You had I, um, an extended Gen Con stay. Well, not extended. You stayed for the full amount compared to Tiff, who went for the weekend. Uh, not, well, just a day longer, I guess. Tiff came Thursday. I oh, thought okay. she was coming Friday, and she yeah. was like, oh, I'll be there in three hours. So I was like, it's not Friday. <laughs> and I guess that was a pleasant surprise. All right. Yeah, that's so awesome. It was nice. Um, yeah, I had some, some drama in the morning for my flight. I got to the airport and realized... My license wasn't in my wallet for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I found out why later. It was just a little silly error on my part. But it's one of those things like you just assume your license is in your wallet because you don't really. You don't use I get carded right. every once in a while, but I don't I don't take it out. So it was kind of weird. But I, I had a doctor's appointment the week before and I took it out so they could photocopy it and left it in that pair of shorts by accident. Mm. Um, so I was in a panic. I had to go home. All the way back to my house, which is about an hour from the airport, and grab my passport. I didn't even bother. And while I was on the way home, I was able to, luckily, somebody was out there being awesome. And they dropped their seat on the, the noon flight. So I was able to get out there by about 2.30. I was originally scheduled for about 10 a.m., but I lost four hours, which isn't that big That's of a deal bad. since nobody was really out there to begin with. 
and you didn't lose your state issued identification, which is more important. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't lose that. Important. Four hours versus losing your ID. It's a pain to get a new it's ID. It's Gen Con. Yeah, but it takes about four hours to get a new ID, so it's kind of a wash. I got you. I got you. Plus, I think my ID has a flag on it from a parking ticket or something that it would have taken me like another day and a half probably to resolve with the NBA. So, so you losing your it. identity is not the worst thing in the world. No, it's cool. I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, anonymous to begin with. As we kind of walk through Gen Con, everyone recognizes Tiff from her videos, yeah. and nobody recognizes me, and it's awesome. I love every minute Dan's of it. Dan's ID is actually a silhouette with a question mark over the head. To be fair, I don't get recognized that often. I got One of the people that stopped me was like the uncle of one of my students. It's not like <laughs> I'm famous. You had a few people stop you, and it's cool. A few. Yeah, that's cool, Plus and I Dan, like that. People know you by voice. Makes me feel like I'm doing something. Which is very <laughs> interesting. People are standing there playing or sitting there playing a game and they hear your omnipotence behind them. And they turn and say, is that, is that Dan? I hear him. I mean, this, this voice stays pretty regular if it's sick or not. So yeah. it doesn't go much deeper. <laughs> low tones, they travel far across the land. It's fair. I, um. Yeah, I love I love going. I, I don't know how like a Tom Vassell or anything does that. As much as I love like hanging out with people that we know and like fans of the show, and I'm happy to meet anyone. It it is kind of nice to just be able to walk around in obscurity sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I live most I think of my I'm life at the in obscurity, perfect level. So, <laughs> like three people talk to me, and that's perfect. I don't want to get recognized any more than that. Yeah, I recognize you. Obscurity. Oh, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. I saw you. I was like, it, oh, who's it that? It had been a while. Who's that short person? Oh, it's Tiff. Hey, Tiff. Did you ask for I was an so anxious when I first got in because I didn't have my badge that first night. Well, yeah. We were going to do the old switcheroo, but then you, yeah, then you left, and it's okay. It's fine. Because we it's played, whatever. I mean, we only played the best game we played at the entire convention that night, so it's no big deal. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. What uh? How was the the crowd overall? The buzz, the getting badges, like that's always something that we talk about with Origins and Gen Con because it seems like nothing ever quite goes to plan. Uh, and given that, well, we'll get to the fact that this was supposed to be like a sold out show, but actually they just capped it. Uh, how did how was the crowd in terms of like getting and navigating logistically? I didn't, I didn't think it was any worse. Huge difference, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was any worse than the years before. And since I've start, stopped trying to get in early with the press badge thing, like the first hundred people or whatever, I literally just walked up at 930. I was the second person in line. They gave me my press badge. It was awesome. Nice. I um, No weight whatsoever. Did you guys use um, your press badges to go into the floor hall early? No, they don't let you. That's the weird, like the press badge at Gen Con really doesn't do all that much okay compared to like some other shows like origins where you can get in early yeah unless i'm mistaken you like it's only that first day if you are one of like the first hundred people they'll let you in early oh okay so it's not every day Um, kind of thing i don't think so Hmm. maybe maybe after the first day they do let you in early because they figure everything's already been sold out to the the very important gamer people yeah but i don't know i i didn't I didn't carry it away because Gen, Gen Con's done me a real good solid the last couple of years and not had any real games <laughs> that truly, truly interest me that I need to run for. So, yeah. I follow Ken Grazier from Geekcraft on Instagram and he had posted, he was posting a lot of things and I showed Kel, I said, this is like his third post. He apparently had to like wait in a line, 
to then wait in a line to wait in a line to get in like early kind of thing. Yeah, you have to yeah. wait. Like we did it, what last time I did it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. You have to get up at like 5.30 a.m. to get in the line <laughs> for when the press hall opens at 7. Then you get it and then you have to go wait in the other line with the VIGs, which seems to have increased over the years too. And then once you get through that line, then you're in the hall. So, and then you're you basically probably have to wait in line to get whatever hot game there is. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So you so guys focused on sleeping and eating and playing games and hanging out instead of waiting in lines. Yeah, it was pretty great. I feel like that's probably the way to go. Yeah. I did get up early on my first day, and I was down in the hall before anything opened, before the press room opened, because I didn't realize on Friday it doesn't open that early. And I just hung out outside of the door waiting. I read it for a while. Nice. And then uh, <laughs> got my badge. First in line. You know it. And then is the hall even open or do you just have a badge and now nope. you just go back to bed? <laughs> then I just sat around for another hour. Well, uh, no, actually I ran into uh, Patrick Hillier. So nice. got okay. caught up with him yeah. and met some new people. So Yeah. So I saw pictures of the crowd for the the opening push. And like I said, they so they sold out all the badges and then the tabulation of the, the visitors came out. And it turns out that they, they capped the show around 60,000 people, which is about what they get anyway. So are we calling artificial scarcity on Gen Con? No, I, feel I don't, like I don't think that's necessary. More, it would be <laughs> so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like we were kind of bracing ourselves, not knowing the whole capping thing. But like a couple months be before they were like, oh, four day badges are sold out. So did they just do that to get people to buy, like come buy badges? I, I don't know. I mean, you could ring the conspiracy bell on this, but it's Gen Con. They don't, they don't need to do that. It's like fair. they'll sell the badges regardless. Yeah. Okay. Like you said, it was like a 3% increase, I think on total turnstile attendance. So they, yeah, it's, it's going to be there regardless. I think, um, there's a really good article. Gil Hova had a really good article on breaking down the kind of the attendance and why he thought they did what they did and stuff. And I, I wish I could remember what he said. Cause I kind of read it in a sleeping stupor the other night. Um, yeah. and I bookmarked it to go back and read again. Cause it was, it was interesting, but yeah, check out his blog if you want his thoughts on it. Cause I thought what he was saying again, what I hazily remember was, was interesting about why they did what they did. Cool. Gil always has great articles, by the way. Just bookmark his blog, everybody. That's yeah, probably true. No, I'd agree with that. I wish I could remember what he said, and but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do bad radio and sit and look it up here. But uh yeah. go check it out. All right. Well, I guess let's just jump into kind of those the sights and sounds. What did you guys see here? You were there, I was not. I, I might probe you for some of the news things that I was following, but in terms of what you guys did, what give, start spitting some stuff out at me. I just walked around and played games. I didn't do anything fancy or special. I did no events like I always do. How was the hall? How was the new and improved giant vendor hall? Well, it's the same as last year, really. The setup. Yeah. Um, and then they bl- they bled into the floor of the stadium with like this museum and some other stuff that they did. Which yeah, was, I saw the whole gaming library on the field. Yeah, the gaming library was out there and was open 24-7. Um which is cool, I guess, if you're if you're out there kind of thing. Like I I don't use Gen Con for that. I, I usually there's enough new things that people have bought that you just sit down and play them. So yeah, I mean it was good. It, I, to be honest, I didn't find it any more 
too uh, crowded than normal. Like as far as walking around, I did my normal. Yeah, I'd rather just sit down and play. But then I got caught up walking around for another hour and a half. And <laughs> it's one of those things like the time flies. I looked yeah. at my list of games played. I was like, that's not very many, but it's more than last year. So that's that's kind of something. So I was going to say I played like at least three more times games than I did last year. So you played three games? No. <laughs> I think last year I played. I didn't feel super well last year. Looking back on it, I like now I recognize that I just didn't feel good while I was there. And uh, this year I think I played something around six or seven games. So maybe more. Eight. Eight games. I mean, the one thing if you want me to rant about something um, that I was, I was starting to get kind of annoyed with was the whole we have – 50 or we have 100 today and then we'll have 50 or 100 tomorrow and yeah. it's like come on like that's starting to get on my nerves like you people like publishers know gen con is coming i don't understand why they're not planning for it like you had some people some booths fully stocked had everything you want so let's use pandasaurus for an example because i really like the way they run run their shop yeah they brought like 500 copies of wasteland they had a wall of it it was crazy and you know, and it's a hot game. I think it wound up like the number five or six on the hotness at, at Gen Con. But you know what? If you wanted Wasteland, you could walk over and buy it without any fuss. My number one game, Ex Libris, you had to get up and be the first person in there, wait in line, and see if they had one. And like, oh, it just, uh, it just annoyed me. But then like Renegade brought something like Clank in Space, which is, uh, I don't want to get started. It just... Uh, <laughs> And it's like, this was this big surprise game. And yeah, here, we're going to bring it. I'm like, ooh, what is this? This is like, they, they piqued my interest. What is this surprise game? And then they unveiled it. And it was Clank in Space. And like, oh, man. Talk about going Some from six to midnight and immediately, I guess. But I immediately <laughs> went midnight to six real quick, if you know what I'm saying. And I was like, ah. Oh. But I was like, in the back of my mind, I was selfishly thinking, I was like, maybe that'll distract all the kind of the casual people. And they'll just be like, oh, another clank. And they'll grab that and they'll leave all the Ex Libris for me. But no, Ex Libris was a a very popular title. It was gone just as soon as it was, you know, the hall was open. Yeah. Um, and it's like they brought like 300, 400. I don't know. They didn't bring that many copies of it. And I'm like, come on. I understand the whole like, let's drum up like the marketing and the scarcity kind of thing, like you were saying with the attendance and like, let's make it so that, you know, people that are coming with just a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday badge feel like they have a chance at getting some of these games. But you know, at the same time, what about the people that are committed to coming to your booth every day? And you know, it's just, oh, that just really irritates yeah. me. I wish they would plan better. Even someone like Yellow had like Bunny Kingdom was like the hotness Thursday and Friday. I think they had like 50 or 100 copies and they went every day. And then Saturday they had a boatload and I went and I just grabbed one. So it was like, I, I was like, okay, I get it. You did it for the first couple of days to keep it for the big sales on the weekend. Fine. There's all kinds of marketing ploys and tactics that you have to use at a convention. I get that. I'm not. What does it do I'm for not, you though? What does limiting the number it of It annoys me. As a consumer, it annoys me. And I don't know if I'm like the only one, but it just no, really you're not. like the whole I, renegade I thing really talking about that. It just bothered me. And their booth was like cornered off, so it was like this little like little they tried to be like a little fortress kind of thing, like like a um a fantasy flight or something, and the line was like wrapped around in circles. It was just that was weird. I literally looked at it and said, Nope, I'll just buy it in retail for 
for less money. It also makes <laughs> you have to evaluate like where you're going to spend your early time because that that first booth you go to is going to be the bo- the booth you commit to for like your first game. So yeah. at least a Renegade, I guess, had like four or five titles versus somewhere else that may have only had like that one hot title. So it's like, okay, do I go and try to like hedge my bets and maybe get something that came out this Gen Con or do I go somewhere and try to get the thing that I really want? I don't know. That's just yeah, no, no, and no, no more, more power to Renegade. They've they've put out a couple of hot titles in the last month or two, and they were all there, um, in varying amounts of quantity. Um, so yeah, they got they got a ton of uh, you know foot traffic into their area. Um, I made the mistake of going right for photosynthesis, um, and waited in line for about twenty minutes there, which wasn't too bad in the grand scheme of things. But um, yeah, I it's yeah, hard to make that call where you start. What's going to be yeah. worth it? Yeah. Where'd you I start, some- Um, I just started going down my list of things that I wanted. Because I came in on Friday, and I figured pretty much anything that was, like, super... Like, I wasn't really into anything that was going to be sold out. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't going for Ex Libris. I think I may have started with uh, Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time. Okay, yeah. And then went to Unearth. Yep. And Unearth looked like it looked like they were running out that day, but the guys like we're flying more in. There'll be more. Yeah. So, and it's also interesting it's, for some of those games because a lot of those like I went over to the game store during Gen Con weekend and a couple of those games were there. Unearth was there. They they just got photosynthesis in. So, Right. In terms well, of I like I think that's the other thing is that the publishers are getting them out like the week after. So, yeah. even if you're missing it, it's like, well, I can wait a week. Yeah, I, I didn't feel bad about any part of missing Ex Libris or anything. Like, I was just like, okay, I'll get it cheaper, you know, in I mean, a couple weeks. For me, it's like, how likely am I to play the game here at Gen Con? That's yeah. what I think of when I'm getting in line, because otherwise it's not worth it. There are games that I have from two years ago Gen Con that I haven't played that are bigger games that I just haven't made to the table. So if it's a bigger game, I usually just say, bleh. If it's a half an hour game, I will try to get it because I might play it at the con. I did pretty good about playing my games that I bought at the con this year. I I made that a point because I wanted to, you know, if I had to offload them, I offload them kind of thing. So So none of you walked out with a a coffin box of Twilight Imperium 4? (laughs) I don't even I don't even walk by Fantasy Flight. I honestly Is that a don't. Thing? I don't think I looked at Fantasy Flight. How do you no. avoid them? Aren't they like everywhere? Don't you like It's so big. Accidentally I mean, walk through their their booth. Well, they're they're like in the middle, so to be honest, you can avoid them if you want. Like mm-hmm. I know I walk up the artist alley on the top and then on the way back down I walk down the bottom corridor there. So gotcha. I I see them, but I don't walk I don't really walk by or through them. Yeah. It's pretty easy to miss a booth. I feel like we were just systematically going aisle by aisle, but you can still miss things pretty easily. Like, I had friends that I said I would visit, and I probably walked past their booth, like, six times and just never realized it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the number of purchases. Did you guys stick to your seven-game limit? Under. Under. Yeah. Yeah, I might have been... I might have been one under. Yeah. Let me write down. I've kind of forgotten, and I haven't unpacked yet. <laughs> Need to write it down. But I did come in under. I sold one to Tiff, so she helped me stay under. What did you sell to Tiff? I, I sold her my climbers. 
Oh, she okay. wanted it for board game club, and I was like, I can wait for this. Did Plus you get it a was chance heavy. to play it? Yeah? <laughs> I did. I played it twice, How but was uh, it? um, it's good. Um, I don't know that it's it's the bee's knees like everyone thinks it is, but I thought it was good. Uh, we played it. I played it at three player and five player. Um, I would never recommend it at five player. It's miserably slow. Um, like to the point of literally, we were just like, all right, let's stop. Um, three player was good. Um, I'm not I still sure I feel like in the concept of the game, it's not a dexterity game, is it? Well, the rule book's kind of funky, and we had some trouble. No, it's not really a dexterity game. It's more like an abstract puzzle game. Okay. And I, I feel like we were playing something wrong, and I kept telling myself, "I'm going to go by the booth and have them demo it to me." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just three player was much better. Five, and I had been told don't play it at four or five because it's probably the least best counts. Um, they say two and three actually works really well. I, yeah. So I was, Tiff was like, I'd like this for board game club. I was like, here, you, you're driving. This is like less weight in my book bag kind of thing. So, you know, you can take this one and I'll just wait for it to hit retail. Yeah, that's fair. What else? I'm trying to think of, of some of the hot things that were in your list. Did you go with anything that wasn't on your list? Did you get like drawn in by anything or was everything pretty much I know I'm going to buy this. I'm I'm interested in this kind of thing. I stayed pretty on top of my list. Yeah. I didn't buy anything that I mean Climbers was not on my list. But so I guess that's the one thing I bought that was not on my list. Oh, and I got Dungeon Fighter expansions. That wasn't on my list cuz that game is old. But is that, that's uh, a dice ex- rolling game. Yeah, you like it's it's a dungeon crawl dice roller, and you use the dice in a dexterity kind of target yeah. hitting way. Like close your um, eyes but, or behind your back, or yeah. So like on that. like Sunday when we were looking around, Yellow had them for like ten bucks, and I have two oh, expansions good. that I haven't gotten, and they're like thirty bucks online. So wow, yeah, score. Okay, nice. Yeah, Dan, how about you? Did you stay true to true to the list that we did in our pre Gen Con episode? Or did something jump out at you and surprise um, you? I think the only thing I bought that wasn't on my list was um, Bunny Kingdom. Yeah. The Which Richard I don't know Garfield. anything about. You said that's a Garfield game? It's Richard Garfield. It's a drafting area control kind of game. It's okay. from Yellow. Um, I, I like drafting. And, I, I, you know, it's a Richard Garfield. So I figured, you know what? It, it can't be too bad. Um, but... You know, we'll see. It looks it looks relatively interesting. So, all right. So you guys stayed oh. under your limit. Oh, go ahead, Tiff. I just thought of the one that I bought that wasn't on my list. It was on my radar, but it wasn't on my list. Um, it's Snowblind. It's from the guys that <laughs> never heard of that. <laughs> shut shut up, Dan. It's, no one has. Oh, okay. No one has. Yeah, there were like not that many. Um, it's from the guys that made uh, Ancient Terrible Things. And it's okay. like a push your luck game set in, you know, like the Arctic, the Antarctic. Yeah. And uh, it had had a quote, a Shackleton quote on the box. And I was like, I'm buying this. And so, have you played it? I haven't played. I haven't unpacked from Gen Con. Okay. <laughs> okay. I got back on Sunday night and pretty much like sat in a dark room until I fell asleep. <laughs> And went to work and haven't dealt with any games since then. Well, then I definitely want to hear about how your mysterious impulse buy goes. I usually have one every Gen Con. Dwarf's Fall was last year. Did you buy the expansion for Dwarf's Fall? I did not. Oh, okay. You didn't want to compound (laughs) your mistakes? I mean, you didn't want to It wasn't a mistake. (laughs) That game is fine. 
I like at first I went over and looked and they have like a second edition and the box is like nice, a lot nicer than the first edition box. Josh Mills told me he went over and that they like he struck a bargain with them for because of that. And oh, I yeah. guess I I guess I should have tried to do that in hindsight, but I uh I kind of forgot about it and I'm okay with that. Yeah, okay. I don't need expansions for the game. It's fine the way it is. I mean, I, I guess the question that's on everyone's minds here is, did you get Shark Island? I didn't. You didn't? No, And did Dan ever finish the rule book? Dan was tweeting about the rule book, and I just, I was reading the excerpts that he was tweeting, and I'm like, this will be cheaper later, <laughs> just based on the rule book. You did it, Dan. You did it. It It, it looks like a horrible game. Did you actually, Kirkman. so did you actually crack the rule book, Dan, and start trying to go through it? I did. And it just didn't. I stayed true to my word to Tiff. Yeah. And I appreciate I, you, Dan. I would have played it too. And I would have probably laughed my way through the entire thing. I'm sure it would have been like one of those fun Gen Con things because I think uh, Ben Pinchback showed it, was somewhat interested in playing it too. But I just couldn't get over, like, I mean, it was what, 40 bucks? There was. Sh- the shark had its own economy. Shark He could spend shark economy. Shark coins to improve himself. So apparently, yes. the shark has pockets. And I don't and know where he's keeping goal this chain. Is to get the mayor fired. That's the shark. That's that's what sharks think about. One of them. That's Wait, one so of the, the goals. Shark's goal yeah. is not to eat people. It's a well, political ploy. One of them is yes. You must get the mayor fired as the shark player. And that happens by, like, exposing pictures of him having an affair or something like that? I don't know. You probably spend your shark coins and hire a private detective. Yeah. And um, then you probably roll some dice and something happens with an event card. That's I mean, to be I'm fair, hoping. this game that we've created on top of Shark Island sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. I Here's what I'm hoping. It will go on sale eventually because... I mean, maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe there's an audience out there. I've seen people tweeting about it, so someone is excited about it. Um, after reading that rule book, though, I couldn't get behind it. Sorry, Richard. Rich, I did see Richard, and he said it was fun. Hmm. Would he say anything else about his game that he designed? Yep. Uh, the imp- <laughs> He did say something else. Um, but no, I think... I think his the the general vibe I got from the conversation we had about it was like this is just like a like beer and pretzels kind of you sit down with your friends and have a good time kind of game. Yeah. Like he said that um Fate is his probably one of the best games that he's ever made. Yeah. Like we were just talking about the games that he had coming out and and like he seemed very like serious about that game, you know, yeah. like and I think Shark Island was just kind of like a little bit more light heart, intended more lightheartedly. Mr. Lonius, he's got to pay the bills, right? So sometimes you got to make a game about sharks overthrowing <laughs> mayors. No, I love the theme. I just, I'm not, I, I was surprised that there was a shark economy. That really killed it for me. Shark Did they coins, call it shark economy? No, okay. missed opportunity, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lean into it. If you're going to have it, you <laughs> might as well coin it. Well, the other thing is it. They missed up. Oper- they could have called this card shark attack because the battle oh, that's mechanic. Right. You play poker, don't you? No, you play blackjack or basically blackjack. against the shark. <laughs> the shark is always the dealer. 
I mean, it definitely. I, makes it you says laugh, that right? in the rule book. It says that in the rule book. The shark is always the dealer. <laughs> so my hope is it'll go on sale. I'll snatch it up, and maybe one day we'll play it for laughs. But I don't know about lugging it around the con and playing forty, paying forty dollars for it. That yeah. I can probably do without. It was forty. I was expecting it to be more. Maybe it was thirty-five. It was a good. It wasn't a bad price at all. But I just, for me, the other thing that goes into whether or not I'm going to buy something is how heavy it is. Like physically heavy? Yes. Yeah. Because I don't like carrying things around all day. Well, that's a concern, right? And that's why I was asking, talking to Dan about Wasteland Express. And he was like, that game's like 80 pounds. So It's very heavy. To lug that around is, is kind of a commitment. So I got a copy of that on Sunday. Yeah. So like on my way out. Nice. Well, it's. I'm sorry that your most anticipated game was kind of a dud that you fell out of love with before you even got there. That's a that's a it, shame, but that's a risk with Lanius games. Yeah, I worked think. my magic. Good job, Dan. I mean, it's good I to should. do the research. That's why you should read the rule books when they're posted. If you're sometimes you have to pull back the curtain and you see or the little, maybe the little wizard. Have, maybe I would have just jumped into it and had a great time. Who knows? But. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just... It's all I'm Dan's not, like, fault. It's all Dan's fault. <laughs> no. It's okay. Like, I, if if it's meant to be, I'll find it. <laughs> it will come to me. You'll walk into a maybe, game store maybe in some <laughs> town and it'll be glowing. Oh, Shark Island on clearance. Maybe some sadly disappointed person will want to trade it someday. You should be able to find it in the Goodwill at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be that bad. Because, like, the art looked great on it, and, like, the rules are a little weird, but I don't know. The 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 nostalgia factor alone is almost enough for me to buy it. Even Just if because it, it seems kind of weird does not mean it wouldn't be fun. Right. No, it's, it's like a bad B-movie, which makes yeah. perfect sense exactly. if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I still think that Shark Island is in my future, just not, just not at this Gen Con. It's on the path somewhere. I I will play that game sometime. Okay. I just don't need to lug it around Gen Con. And Dan will teach it. Pay to full you. price. Yes. Kind of. Yes, All right. Well, will. let's uh, let's turn the tables on Dan and let's look at some of your purchases, Dan, or, or some of the things that you played. Uh, I don't know that I want to hear just yet about the best game you've played. So give me something else. What else did you get to try out? That is a a Gen Con special. I mean, well, I guess photosynthesis is the hotness right now. That is a so pretty I, looking game. I saw that at the game store. They have it set up on display. It's a it's a very look, good looking game, which masks how freaking mean it is. It's um, it's pretty mean. Yeah. Um, so I've played it now, uh, two, three, and four. Um, so I gave it its fair shake. Um, because what's, what's really weird about the game is it plays entirely different at two, at three and at four. Like it's like completely different. So the premise of the game is basically you are growing trees and then chopping them down for, uh, points. So you, the only way you score points in this game is chopping down trees. Um, so every Every player has seeds, they have, and then they have trees, level one, level two, and level three. And so they're going to be worth 
they're going to be used for different things. So uh, the, the cool mechanic and the really clever part of this game is the sun mechanic. So think of like Northwest Passage, but not Northwest Passage, but just think of like a sun rotating around the board. Yeah. And it actually uses like the physical presence of the trees to give you resource points, what are called light points in the game. So when the sun is on this corner, it's looking, think of it, I guess it's, I guess it's a hex technically. Is it a hex or, or is it an octagon? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it does have a, it's got an angular I shape can't to picture it. It's not it. like round. Yeah. So you just basically look at the sun and the sun has little arrows on it to help you, but you just look down those rows and you gather your, every player gathers their light points depending on the trees they have in that, in the sun's kind of vision there. Um, so level ones will give you one point, level twos will give you two and level threes will give you three points. But then you also have to take into account shadows. Okay. Each tree gives off a shadow of either one, two or three spaces, depending on its height. And if you are at that angle, if your tree is in the shadow of another tree, including your own, it doesn't score life points for that. So you can position yourself to, you know, at certain angles of the sun, be in great position to get resource points. And then, you know, in other positions, you're completely blocked out. So you have to, it's, it's kind of interesting how you have to kind of manage it. It's really mind bendy. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot to kind of take in. And the first thing I'll say for this game is I, I don't agree with this being a family weight game. I, I just see this unless you play it with less than four. I think it's just, it's a bit, it, uh, I don't want to say complex, That's but how Viking on board was, it was like yeah. a little bit too much to be family weight. Yeah. This one, but this one makes you feel dumb. It literally can make you feel dumb. Like, and I, I've heard that as a big complaint from other people and myself it included. It made Matt Loomis feel dumb. Yeah, it was just one of those things. It was, um, so like I said, so that's kind of the premise. And then you're spending these life points or light points to plant seeds. So you can plant seeds again, depending on the size of the tree you plant from. You can plant them one, two, or three spaces away. Um, and then you can grow those seeds into level ones, level twos, and level threes. And each one has a, an increasing amount of light points it takes. But um, my biggest gripe is just the game is like growing a tree. The game is slow um, because everything's incremental. So you have your player board, which has all the trees and stuff on it. And then you've got your active area, which is like to the left of your player board. Only things in your active area can be placed onto the board. So if you wanted to buy something off of your player board to put onto the board, it has to go from your player board to your active area and then from your active area to the board. So there's certain instances where you have enough points to kind of time that correctly, but other instances you have to literally just wait another turn to just get your your trees out on the board and it's a it's kind of just this very slow methodical process to go from player board to active board to the thing it's but it's very thematic so i i mean i don't know if that's what they intended but i you know i think i kind of reasoned it in my head that yeah that's super thematic because trees don't grow quickly um so so there's that that point about it and like i said at at multiple so at like four player the board is just it's full it's so tight you're blocking each other left and right. It's it's very mean. It's very aggressive in how you're trying to like plant your trees and prevent other people from doing this. And I mean, you can do what I did and play my own game and not worry about where other people were, but you have to kind of take it into consideration just because space is so limited on this board. And then you're fighting for the different 
areas of the board because certain areas, if you plant and grow in, are going to score you slightly more points than other areas of the board. So like the, the edges are the least amount of points compared to the center space, which is going to get you the most. So, so like I said, at four, it's just like, oh God, this is just mean. It's like super tight. It's super just, I didn't like it at four at all. I, I would never play that game at four. Um, two and three opened it up a bit. Uh, two, especially two was super loose. Like I had no issues getting trees down, planting them. You had a ton of light points because every kind of angle of the sun, you could really position yourself to get a decent chunk of points. Um, unlike like the four player game where if you got like four or five points, it was like, yeah, that's a great turn. Um, and three player again, just kind of sits in between the looseness of two and the tightness of four. Um, which I think is probably, if you're looking to play this game, probably the sweet spot. Like if you want a little bit of competition, but you also want enough to be able to kind of build and feel like you accomplished something. Um, I recommend it at three players. It works at two. And like I said, it's, it's, um, it's loose and there's not much competition. There's a couple of, haha, I blocked you moments, but, um, two player was strictly just a, like get, get as much down and race to those point tokens kind of thing. Um, and like I said, it came down to me being the first one to cut a tree in that one because after that we kept pace pretty much the same, but I was able to keep that one extra tree cut down lead um, and, and win the game. So I don't know. I, overall, I, I think it's, I think it's clever, but flawed. Like I said, I just, uh, there was, it just didn't give me a good vibe. Um, and like uh, the one game I played, I played with a bunch of designers, which was, kind of a nightmare because the whole At time two in the morning yeah so we're talking about the game and we There's missed a, a rule because i had to read the rule book at two in the morning and it's not a huge rule book but you know at two in the morning i'm just kind of like my mountain dews are wearing off and anyways but they were like critiquing the game the entire time and they could probably tell you better what was wrong or what was right about it um i just know for me i was like it's not that i didn't like it i didn't love it I just felt it to be kind of meh. Um, and like I said, for this to be in a family weight category, I think is a bit, is a bit rough. Cause it's just like, Hey, let's punch each other in the stomach, you know, over and over at four player trying to like scrounge up these trees for light points. Like, give me, feed me, feed me son. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, so I don't know. I, I can't, I can't recommend it as a buy. It's a, it's a try first for me. I've actually sold my copy since, but like I said, I, I gave it its fair shake. I wanted to see how it played at two, three, and four. Cause I had this, this strange feeling that four player wasn't the same experience as like two player, for instance, just because of the, the game doesn't scale in any way, really. Um, there's no like shrinking of the board for two player. There's no less trees. There's nothing. The only thing you do in a two player versus a four player is you take out one stack of three tiles that you know, for the scoring, that's it. Um, so it's, like I said, it's just super loose. And once I kind of, you know, it is what it is. I, it's a try before you buy. I, I can't recommend it. Beautiful production. Um, I'll end it on a positive note for photosynthesis. It's a, it's a beautiful production, um, for 40 bucks. There's a lot in that box, a lot of cardboard. Uh, the table presence is, is phenomenal. Um, the artwork on the actual trees themselves is, is beautiful. It's got little, like, little like creatures on each of the trees and stuff like that. Like they put a lot of attention to detail into it. So um, 
yeah and the, like i said this the sun mechanic super clever uh actually and and even the like the shading and the like it was very thematic it was a heavily thematic game um i just think for me it was it was a little too mean uh number one and number two it was a little too slow i thought the pacing was a bit it was just it didn't hold my attention as long as i would have liked how long does the game run and how long are like turns going like even though it's a little slow do you is it at least like going at a quick pace or is it a lot of like deliberation in ap on where to put trees or it depends like i said it depends like in the four player i found myself you know i found myself thinking a lot more because like i said the game the game can make you feel dumb just from the sheer amount of things you have to take into consideration the different angles the sun will hit this tree who's going to block this tree when you know who am i blocking if i do this and how fastly can i upgrade you know all these little decisions are coming into play which um can really kind of make you take pause. Um, I will say a two player, like I said, and, and three player was a little bit looser. The turns went quicker uh, yeah. because you could kind of see where your opponents were going, where you could go. You knew roughly how many light points you were getting. It was interesting. Like I said, four player, because the board is literally, I think almost a hundred percent full, like between turns, like the entire board state could change completely for like your next sun angle. Like someone could grow a tree to a three and that blocks two of your trees that were going to get light this turn. So you just lost two more light, you know? Yeah. It's a, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit much at four player. That's cool. I mean, it's interesting to think that there's a lot to dig into. So at least it didn't go the other way where it was just kind of like this generic experience. Um, But no, like I said, it's a clever game. Love the theme, love the, thematic mechanics within it yeah. but i just think it it i don't know a little more time to cook it i think there's a you know it could have been the pacing could have been stepped up and maybe some scaling for the different player i yeah. don't know but none of it felt it's more of like a it, is it like a matter of preference like do you think there's an audience for this or does it feel like it's a little oh, yeah. bit more broken oh yeah we i mean we had people come up where i play and say oh man i loved this game when i yeah. played it yesterday okay. and stuff like that which yeah. is which is cool. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's broken in any way. The game works and the game works fine. It's just finding the right fit for like I'm okay with this level of interaction and I'm okay with this thinkiness and yeah, yeah. okay. So cool. I mean, it has it can be it can be direct. So yeah. if you, you know, I'm gonna drop this three point tree in front of your two and your one and your other one. So you're not going to get any light from these trees next turn. You know what I mean? So it's like, and that completely just derails what you maybe were trying to do. So it it can be quite direct in its, its interaction. Interesting. um, At the the three and the four player. Yeah. Well, that's one of the two or three tree games that we've all been staring at. So we'll have to see how, just uh, just play Arboretum. If you want the tree game, that game is a perfect. You got got a couple of different things to compare it to. In terms of thematic tree experiences. Arboretum is still the best. Still the, the markings king. after. It's thematic tree experiences. Uh, yeah, so what else was uh, was hot? What did you pick up? What did you play? What, what were you into? What did you like? Was there anything that like you were like, this is cool, even if it wasn't your favorite thing? Like, what what's solid out there? Tiff. Hmm. We should, I mean, we played some games together. Why don't we pick one? Yeah. Uh, how about, some games? How about Professor games Evil, This is Tiff. unheard of for our show. You played that I, twice. I did play it twice. And, and I've, I, a Gen Con first, I taught it. Yeah, you Wait, taught it. You I was super impressed. Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, let me I want to hear about that. I heard And this I was must good. I must admit she had a great teacher the the hour before when she played it. 
It's um, true. So that it was, she was <laughs> able to. It's funny because I was teaching the rules and I'm like, I don't actually know if this is a rule because <laughs> I've never read the rule book. I love that when people are like, um, can I do this? And I'm like, I don't know. Dan taught me this three weeks ago. So I'm trusting his teach for my teach. Right. I did I, I did pretty well overall for the weekend. I think I messed up one thing in photosynthesis, like I said. But other than that, I think I, I think I nailed all the other teachers. Yeah, you did a good job. Um no, I like here's the thing about Professor Evil and I said it all the time. I just want to put it out there. This is one of the few games that I've bought at a con and I instantly liked it. Like it didn't have to grow on me. Okay. So that and that has not happened for me in an extremely long time. It seems like everything I've bought, I've either Hated and wanted to sell, felt meh about it, or it took a really long time for me to, like, enjoy it. So, so you've got instant love here. Yeah. It, I mean, it was fun. I'm a little worried that it might be too hard to beat, but I guess you kind of want that in your co-op. Yeah. I'm, I'm let, afraid I'll that let. you can never get any better at it than from play to play. But we'll talk about that. No, Do you want you me to explain ex- the game? You should explain the game because you're better at that than I am. I'm like, you take a thing and you put a thing and you move <laughs> a thing. All right. So in Professor Evil in the Citadel of Time, you take a thing and you basically <laughs> run it around a board and then you win or lose. That's basically the bit. Did That's a perfect right? tip Was that explanation. All right? <laughs> oh, okay. Beautiful. All right. All right. Okay. Now, so I Professor just Evil. what things are called. That's all. That's fair. Um, so. Off, off the bat, let's start. Uh, this is from FunForge, Professor Evil in the Citadel Time. This is, I think, through Passport, uh, yeah, in North America. Uh, beautiful production. Uh, art by Bibone or Balboon, Bibone, Bibone, Baboon. I don't know what his name is, but he does a lot of yellow work, and it's really pretty. Um, the board is striking. It's got a very, like, just rich kind of presence about it. Um in a cartoony way, which is cool. Um, so I really like the presentation uh, of this game. It's it's really nice. Uh, off the bat, though, I'm not going to lie. I thought this was a game about time travel, and it has nothing to do with time travel. Oh, really? Um, I did, too. I mean, yeah. it's tied into the theme, but yeah, you no, no. you're not traveling in time. It's just a way. Time is heavily involved in this game. It's just not in the manner I thought it was initially. So it's just kind of, I don't know if that was in the marketing of the game or just my kind of preconceived notions about hearing, you know, Citadel of Time, um, which is an awesome name. So basically in this game, it's a cooperative game, one to four player or two to four players, I guess. I don't know if you can solo this. Maybe you can. I don't ever look at that. So um, most co-op games, you can contrive a solo mode. You would get pummeled in solo regardless. But um, so in this game, you're basically going to win or lose win by collecting four treasures from the professor. So you're, you're in the professor's mansion and you're basically kind of scurrying around the mansion, opening doors, uh, turning on and off traps, um, and kind of puzzling out how you can steal four treasures from his mansion before he saves four of his treasures from being stolen and locks them up in his, his vault kind of thing. So mechanically, it's super simple. Each player has their own asynchronous player. Um, you have a, a player card that has, you know, a power on the back of it, which isn't active at the start, but you also have a deck of six cards. And each card in this deck is unique, and each player's cards are unique to their character. So each character has kind of a theming around what they do. Some person can control the time, other person can unlock gears, or, you know, another person can control the switches, all kinds of stuff. So on your turn, simple as that, you're going to draw two of these cards and you're going to play three actions 
from the four actions available, which are move, unlock a door, uh, flip a switch, or collect a treasure. Simple as that. And then at the end of your turn, you're going to roll these professor dice. And these professor dice are basically the, the game's automation of the professor and how the board moves as such. Um, those cards that I mentioned, the two cards that you pick, it's kind of a small, not deck building element, but so you get to pick two, one from those two and you can play at any point during your turn before or after one of your three actions. And then they go to the bottom of the pile and next turn you'll pick two more. So you've got these six kind of unique powers that you can use one of them every turn, which is, is kind of neat in its own right. Um, but yeah, like I mentioned, you're literally just moving around the thing, flipping on these switches and then collecting these treasures. And on the treasures, it has, there's a number of symbols on it. And those symbols correspond to the different traps that the professor has laid out around the mansion. And in order to collect that treasure, all of those traps that are shown must be f- flipped in the off position. So flip turned off in the mansion. Once they are, you can go in and collect them. Again, like I mentioned before, you have to collect four of them to win the game. Okay. Um, so the thing that like, it's not my biggest problem, but the, it's the reason it's so hard is because you, it's so hard to plan for anything because those, that dice roll at the end of your turn. So there's three different dice. There's one that moves the professor, um, or moves the clock. There's another one that's a color one, which basically drives where the professor moves or the clock, the treasure clock that moves. Um, and then the last one is the actual movement of the clock marker. So the big clock in the center of the board is set up in that each treasure, depending on how hard it is, gives you a number of clock spaces to complete it. So think of a, think of a big clock, 12 spaces for each of the hours. You've got a, a time marker, which is kind of like, think of it as like a round marker in a way, but not so much. And then you've got three different discs. So at any point, there's three treasures in the castle. You've got a red, a blue, and a green. And again, so if you pull out a treasure that says 30 on it, you're basically going to take that marker, so say it was the green treasure, and you're going to put it 30 incremental time spaces from the current time marker. So if the if the black time marker is on the 12, you'll put the green marker on the, the six, right? And if that time marker ever crosses or touches the green marker before you collect it, the professor locks it away and you lose it. Okay. So that's how he gains his four treasures. Um, for me, the, the, the mechanic of flipping the switches on and collecting the treasures with, in conjunction with the clock, super slick. I I really like that, that, that mechanic is enjoyable. It puts a, a very fun and clever puzzle on the table in front of you. For me though, like I mentioned at kind of the start is I don't know that you can ever really get better at this game because you're so beholden to those dice. And the last, I've played this four times now, I think three or four. The last two times I've played it have come down to, okay, we roll the dice, either the professor wins or we win. It all came down to like two symbols on the dice being rolled. And both times the professor rolled what he needed and we lost the game. So it's like, we have always put ourselves in position to be in a winning position. But again, we're so beholden to the dice roll that it was like, ah, like, I guess. And it, it, I guess in one way you could say it gives you that stand up role, but in the other way, it's like, ah, we lost the game again. Yeah. And we have to, you know, we do it all again. And it's, it's, you know, it's the same puzzle over and over, which it's not to say it's a bad puzzle. Like I said, I really enjoyed puzzle. it. I don't yeah, know it's, that it's the same. Yeah. And there's, you know, and, you know, the way your player powers come out and the way they interact with the other players, depending on the characters, there's five characters total in the game. So in a four player game, you're going to pick four of them. Um, 
for me, there's one character in the game, uh, Leroy Johnson. I, I don't think you should ever play without this guy. He's just that good. Um, he allows you to flip switches off in the castle um, that you know you might not be able to get to. And he's just, for me, I found him to be crucial. Um, and I was joking the last time we played, I was like, it's like they designed Leroy Johnson. And then they're like, crap, we have to come up with four other people. And then, <laughs> and then they just did these. Like, there's this one called I played with as the Mistress of Randomness. And her role is she basically has all these cards that you gamble. So if you roll. I played with her. Did you play with her? I played with her when I taught it to the while, while you were going and playing yeah. whatever. She's fun. Like if you're, you know, you want to just kind of gamble. But like, you know, depending on how good you it. roll dice, like it's like, oh, that just lost us the game because the professor moved twice kind of thing. So it was, I mean, it's fun to like gamble. I got into it when I played it. They're like, fine, let's, you know. Who gives a crap? Let's do this. When um, you're gambling with her, is it a incremental benefit or is there potentially a negative? Like, no, it's, like, there's two positives get, and a negative. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if you get the negative, the professor gets to move twice. And if you get the positive, like you could get to move, you know, like you could yeah. get to move twice. I got so. you. Yeah. And like I said, the professor, we had one game where we were playing with Dan Patrice and he took this awesome turn where he got himself in position to do like seven actions. He went, he unlocked doors, he flipped off switches and then when the professor moves into a room, he locks any un, un uh, he locks any doors that are open, and he flips on any switches in that room. Like, huh? When did I leave that off? So he did all this awesome work, and we were in position to collect this treasure. And he rolled the dice, and the professor literally followed his entire move route and flipped off and closed every door he had just wow. opened. And it was so—I mean, it was funny. Like we got a huge laugh out of it, but at the same time, it was like super well, demoralizing. That, yeah, that just lost us the game, and it took away any sense of you know cleverness that Dan may have probably felt having had that moment of yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to combo this, and it was like this great feeling and then it just completely wiped it so the game is not hard i don't think that's uncommon either because it also happened in the game that i played uh without you and and i kept getting kicked out too by the professor yeah and if he ends in a room with you unless you have leroy johnson's special power where he can't kick you out of the thing again another amazing power that leroy johnson can move into the room with the professor and not be kicked out um then you, yeah, you get kicked out of the mansion. You have to come back in and start all over, kind of thing. So it's sometimes it's, that can be helpful because you can come back in, in depending a on the room position. you need. Yeah, yeah. But I I got kicked out like three times in a row. I was super frustrated. <laughs> but I don't know. I still have fun. Yeah, no, I I like the game. I think overall, I find it. I like I said, it's a very it's a fun puzzle to work out as a co op. But I don't. I don't know how much more enjoyment I'm going to get out of it after three or four plays, because like I said, I'd like to beat it, but at the same time, like I know I've gotten to the position where I could have beaten it like two times the last two times. And it just came down to that die roll. And if that die roll goes in my favor, am I going to feel any better about myself? You know what I mean? Like yes. knowing that I could I have lost, I guess, I don't know. Well, um, if it feels like every time, Every time you get yourself into a position to win, it comes down to that die roll. And it's like, okay, the game here is just to get to this point, And then it's fate, whether or not. I think the, the game think is that's a lot of co-ops, so it doesn't but, come down to the die roll like, like that. But, but you, sometimes you can't. Like In this last play we had, we lost three treasures before we even collected one. And we fought our way back, which was cool. 
Um, but then to like fight our way all the way back and then lose, it was like, oh man, like it was like, see, but- that sounds great to me. Like you fought all the way back and almost still won. Like that sounds like the game is well designed to me that you no, had I, a chance. No, no, I'm not saying the game is not well designed. I'm just saying, I think this is, I think I've realized this is kind of my problem with co-ops in general is that, you know, I've, I always joke that I always win co-ops like on the first play, but you know, I've won a lot of co-ops on the first play. And I think. Like you don't get any better than that in a co-op. You know what I mean? It's not like a, you know, a Terra Mystica where, okay, I just won with the giants. Now let me go try the, you know, whatever the fuck here for whatever they are. I don't know. I'm getting of course you picked the one race in that game that you can't pronounce. Dan. <laughs> of course I did. Um, but you know what I mean? I think that's, I think I've just kind of discovered what my issue is co-ops. I don't ever feel like I can get better or improve at them. Well, it really um, depends on, yeah, like the variability of that co-op. Because they're built, the systems that are built in co-ops are built to just like, yeah. They have a lot of random elements in them that, you know, you're you're beholden to. And which is not, uh, and that's not to say it's a bad thing. And I do, I've started to appreciate co-ops more. I will admit that. Um, but again, Aww, like like I said. It's heartwarming. With this one, it's like, I don't, not like, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to get better. legitimately have it takes some skill and coordination to get through. And then other ones are a little it, like, there's a scale well, of I, randomness basically. And that's in, why, in um, games. and that's why I got spirit Island ultimately, because that one looked like a co-op where you literally could, you know, you've got manipulation of resources. You've got hand man, like you've got, you've got some meaty mechanics in there that you could, you know, work with your teammates and stuff and do things like that. Um, you have so many games I want to play right now. Oh my God. I forgot you had spirit Island. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's like that, that to me, that appealed to me because it, it seemed like a kind of a heavier gaming experience than, than this, this kind of co-op. But again, that, that said, I, I highly recommend this. If you're, if you're super into co-ops, like this was a great one. I, I really liked it. A little bit more. Okay. With like the struggle and the tension that seems to be, at least from what I'm hearing, that's a point what you enjoy. Right? <laughs> I think that's the point of a co-op personally, like the struggle, but, uh, I don't know. And I don't have problems with things coming down to a dice roll in general, like in any game. Uh, and I don't have to have an economy to enjoy a game either. So I think it just definitely goes more towards what I'm into. It fits in that 45 minute time frame. Uh, it's one I know I can get to the table. It's easy to teach. It looks good. It'll draw anybody in. Like you see it on the table and you're like, Oh, I want to try that. And uh, it has enough variability that there's a different puzzle on the table. I mean, I've only eh, played it twice, but I, I think say, I don't. I don't think it does. But yeah, that's cool. Well, you've played it three times, and you three also don't really like co-ops. No, so I but I, I. It's not even about. I I can appreciate a good design, and I think that just because you have the different decks, I mean, the, the powers here and there. Are, are interesting but it doesn't the the game I just itself think the is game the same that i played after you was vastly different than the game i played with you so well i mean you did play with not as amazing gamers as the Ouch. ones you played the time before Sorry, <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't even know who you played with the second time <laughs> uh it was the phoenix covenant guys oh okay cool nice they're, they're good guys i feel like i owed them yeah i owe but well, the time before it, you played with me, Riddle, and Newman. I mean, that's some brain power, Tiff. <laughs> that sounds like yeah, a, it's, a gripe it's a session. a lot of is what really super like. annoying brain power. Yep. Love you guys. No, it was fine. I, I had fun We didn't do anything annoying. No. Captain criticism do- in the Citadel of Time. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it was fun. It I I had fun with you guys. I had fun with the other team. I just we just had a whole different setup when when we played the when I played the second time. Just the way it worked out, it was completely different. So I don't know. Like maybe after four plays, I'll hate the game, but I doubt it. I don't hate the game. I don't hate it. I just I'm I don't, not saying you hate the game. I don't yet. need to play it that much more. That's all I'm saying. Because it sounds I don't like think there I'm could potentially get... be like a diminishing return kind of deal. Not that you'll turn on the game and hate it, but that you might not get as much out as you. Can. I highly recommend it. I, I think I, what I, I'm saying is Dan is predisposed to get bored of it, and I'm not. That's fair. I like, think you two are very different gamers. Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. In terms of like longevity of play. Right. But also Dan plays more than like, you I in still general. Play... There's, we don't need to analyze you two. <laughs> but like, okay, Pandemic. I've been playing it since I started gaming. I yeah. still can enjoy it without expansions. Dan couldn't say that. It has nothing to do with how much I play games. Well, Dan, you uh, seem to. Well, I've beaten Pandemic every time I've played it. That's and that's that's not hyperbole either. Which I've played it three or four times. I've beaten it every time. And yeah, it's you just seem like, to eh. in- enjoy exploring the systems of a game. And once you've kind of seen them, it's like, all right, let's see what's next. Well, that's the thing. Like, you once you beat a co-op for me, it's like, okay, I'm not going to do any better than that kind of thing. It's not like there's like in a in a Euro game. It's like, okay, I scored a hundred points now. I need to get 140 because I know that's possible kind of thing. Let me figure out a different strategy, a different tact to that. Like a co-op is super tactical, which is fine. Um, and like I said, once you've beaten it, it for me, it's just like, okay, I've, I've reached the top. I've, I've had my rocky moment. Maybe that's why Andor is, is interesting because it's challenging. Like it, it's not well, easy I, to see. And I love Ghost Story. Like I find Ghost Stories to be quite stories. enjoyable because that one just kicks me in the balls all the time. Um. And it's like, I like that puzzle of that one because I have, I think I've only beaten that maybe once. Yeah. It's a challenging game. So, no, I'm going to probably keep playing The Professor. I'll play until I beat it, but I think I'm on the cusp. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, well, it's good that you guys found something you enjoyed and got to play it together. What was this the game that you referenced in terms of like the best game that you played or or what was that? What's the big reveal? I didn't get to play that one. Oh, yeah. Why don't before? So we just had a glowing review. Let's let's bring up. Let's bring people back down to earth right, a little yeah, give bit. Me, here. Give me something else. Give me the realness, Dan. Let's talk about Unearth, Tiff. Yeah. So I, after hearing about Unearth, just even wow. the minuscule amount that you guys tweeted about it, I was <laughs> like, nope, I'm not going to do it. Talk about talk about. Do you want it? M- I'll give it to you for a discount. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know that I do. Well, here, see if you can convince me into wanting it. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's fine. I don't know if I would enjoy it more playing. I, I will try it with my board game group because they're a little bit more casual than the people I play with at Gen Con. And sometimes when you're not, when you know that everyone at the table isn't analyzing every mechanism, you can enjoy a game a little bit more. That same thing goes yes. for board game club. Like That's I, lo- I love playing with gamers. I love playing with designers, but it's a totally different experience than when you play with kids or you play with someone who's not concerned with whether the game is broken or not so oh, or, just let me or live actively in my blind trying bliss, please. to break the game yeah. here's the thing i wasn't actively doing anything that was my biggest problem with the games i wasn't thinking I know, about it. I but you're sitting there thinking about it like i know that you are and that you no. can't help it bull. No, the thing was i call I, bull on that here 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 
the thing was the game didn't hold my attention enough to even think about it. I was looking around the the Hyatt. I was looking at like what other people were playing. Well, and what day like, oh, was my that? Turn. We were also real tired. Like it I was fell Saturday morning during your rules explanation. It was Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, All right. So Unearth is the new Brotherwise game. It's yeah. we talked about it like a thousand times because it's very pretty. It's got this like Monument um, Valley. What's that like three quarter isomet? Not isometric. It looks. It's Monument Valley. It's basically yeah. all it is. Um, it's very pretty, but it turns out that mechanically it's a little simplistic. It's very simplistic. Mm, yes. And I would say yes. it is It is a casual family game. I think yeah. it's right. that's where it sits. Which and fits in the boss monster world. That, that's yeah. their I like it fame. better than boss monster. I'll say that. Yeah, it's better than boss monster. Well, no, I don't know. I like boss monster better, the theme, I think. <sighs> okay. Does this have a theme? Sure. Like like a real theme? No. I know it's got an aesthetic. You're you are building. You're reclaiming lost ruins and building wonders, okay. Dan. Of yeah. course, it has a theme. <laughs> but all yeah, you whatever, do on your turn, whatever, is like Tiff. put something down and pick something up. On your turn, Pretty you much. literally roll a die. You have a couple you of different. You roll five dice. <laughs> no, you don't. You and roll one. one. I thought you rolled. You... No, remember you roll one and you pick oh, where you place yeah, it. And you, you roll one. one. All right, and that, you have a that was my other five. thing. <laughs> yeah. So and, and yes, you have a choice of, of your five, and there's a D8 and there's a D4. So you have a choice. Yeah, because if you roll a one, two, or a three, so you pick a spot. There's these little ruins out on the board, like or they're not even ruins; they're like location. I don't know what they're called. They're ruins. Or the ruins, the ones you collect. The the ruins are the cards out on the table. The wonders are the little tiles. Wonders, that's the one. Okay, yeah. So you you roll a die. And you pick a, well, you have to pick it first. You pick one of these cards, these ruins, and you roll a die. If you roll a one, two, or three, you collect one of the, the resource hexes that's on that card, which is one of like four different colors or something like that. Red, black, yellow, and blue, I think, were the colors. Um, if there's none on there, you draw randomly from a bag. If you roll higher, you just put your die on there. Each card has a break value. When the pool of dice hits that break value, the card is to be collected by the person who has the highest valued die on that. All other people on there get a card for each die that they place to contribute to that break. And these cards give you little special abilities like add one to a dice or re-roll a die or something like that. Sounds okay so far. That you can play on your thing. You take that little resource. If you collected a resource, you put it in your thing, and you're trying to build this little hex, little, little like a little ring. Your tableau. There um, we go. <laughs> and you, you're trying to build this little ring, and then once you build a ring that meets the requirements of a wonder, like all the same color or all different colors or three of one, three mm-hmm. of another, you collect that wonder and you put it in the middle of it. I mean, from a, a presentation standpoint, that was fun. Like that was cute. Um, and you collect it. And then at the end of the game, you get points for the wonders you built and the ruins that you collected are a set collection mechanism. So if you built three blue ruins, it's like nine points or it's like triangular scoring, I think. Um, and that's the game. And you just keep going around and doing that. Um, my, my thing was my biggest criticism was that I, I don't think the game was broken or anything like that. I think my biggest criticism was it was long for what it was it, it was just too long. long i'll give you that. um and you take out five cards in the beginning of the game my advice if you're playing less than like four people is take out all of the 17s because that is a huge break value for three or two people um 
And it yeah. was just, those cars, cars just are out at the time. Five or it's two. Six. Was it two plus the number of players? I think. Okay, so those cards like might that. sit around for a while. Those seventeens, even in three players, sat around for a long time. Yeah, um, especially you if you're rolling crappy. Out. I rolled extremely crappy, so I was just collecting resources the whole time. <laughs> rolling ones and twos. Even when I did the rerolls, it was the same thing. It was like one or two. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Um, You're just not good at dice, Stan. That's uh, your main I'm problem not, as a gamer. I'm not. I, not like I, I'd be fine with this as like a beer and pretzels game if it was 25 minutes shorter. Like it just it went on too long, um, for what it was mm-hmm. as far as the depth of it. I think it would be great for Tiff's board game club to at least try. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100 percent in love with it, but I think it's fine. It's it's average. Yes. Yeah. What? It's the art is the the true selling point of it. Like right. that that really is kind of captivating the box cover and the, gotcha. the the cards and stuff like that. And once you dig into that, like yeah, it's basically just rolling ones. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I do like the little hex circle. Yeah, that was like a part that was of a cutesy it. little the thing. Most interesting of it. part of it. I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes with, you know, like I said, my group is a little less, uh, I mean, they're not game designers, so they don't do what everybody else does at the table. A little less analytic. Yeah. So, I don't don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I I wasn't, I was actually just kind of, we were drinking, you know, we were just drinking coffees, talking and kind of just chatting. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't analyzing this like some of the other games I would like. No, but no. I just, I'm not saying that that's no, what no, no, you're no. doing. I just no, saying I'm just saying I for me, I lo- it lost my interest in, in about 30, 35 minutes. Like, yeah, it just was like, okay, this again. All right. You know, and it went longer it than was, it? It, Yeah, it was almost an hour, I think. Wasn't well, it, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would call it an hour because I like had to go to Starbucks in the middle of it. <laughs> okay, so kept- 50 minutes, maybe 45 to 50 minutes. It was just long because it was... It's repetitive. Nothing really. And we talked to the people changes. at the table next to us for a little while. So. So you guys were slow playing. You were beer and pretzeling. Totally. I feel like it took us longer than that when you think about it, because we we sat there almost until four o'clock. <laughs> you kind of had to re-explain the rules to me because I fell asleep. So. Is it, well, um, that, that's how uninteresting the rules were. <laughs> how do you think I felt reading? We've them? talked about this before. <laughs> like at the con, when I'm sleep deprived, there's just something magical about Dan's voice. Like I need to have him like instead of a white noise machine, I need just Dan reading to me. Because it, it puts me out. You just got to listen just, to the podcast. His voice is so soothing. Like, you shouldn't listen to our podcast while driving if you're like me. Because it's so nice. It just puts me right out. So, We will I don't release know. an album of Dan reading rule books. <laughs> well, the other problem was, for me anyway, probably not for you guys, but I didn't eat much for lunch that day because we were planning on going to Buca de Beppo. We like do that every Gen Con. And I ate a cupcake for lunch in anticipation of a mountain of pasta. <laughs> and <laughs> by then I was out of, I was out of energy and I was really hungry. Those so, quick burning sugars, Tiff, you got to go for something a little bit. Some like well, handful I, of cashews or something. I hadn't yet had my Matt Riddle recommended disappointing cupcake of the con. Because this yeah. is another thing that always happens at every Gen Con. He's like, Tiff, this is the best cupcake I've ever had. And then I try it and I'm like, mm, it's a cupcake. But uh, Maybe I you actually, just don't like cupcakes, Tiff. I don't like cupcakes in general, but I had a good cupcake. It was good. It was key lime. It was delicious. 
And they served them in cups this year, which I think really helps. So they were actual cupcakes? They, it was in an actual cup. But nice. I digress. My point is, is it was maybe like not the right occasion. I don't know. I was just tired. I wasn't playing fast. You could probably pick up the pace. But you did pick this up, right, Tiff? So you own this? I have it, and I'm going to play okay. it some more to see what's going on. I'm hosting like a game 30 day bucks, I next think. week. Yeah, I think for what I paid for it, I'm not disappointed. I'm not too upset yeah. about it being a little meh. I gotcha. I'll give it another chance. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to play it, but after hearing you guys talk about... And then actually, when I was in the game store, I like cracked open the rule book, and they tried to do like a little sales pitch, and I was like, I... I think I know enough about it and I'm not really interested. And they're like, oh, okay. Aww. I was like, you know, because I could read the summary and it's like, okay, you're going to place this die. And it sounds like what Dan was saying. You, if you don't roll well, you don't get I mean, to the, Like the game doesn't progress. Well, to the game's credit, there's, I mean, you could, you could go the way that I went and just collect those resource tiles or you could try and collect the sets, or you could try like there's a couple different ways you could score. So yeah. to to the game's credit, it did kind of provide an well, avenue for roll- people who row poorly. But it just the whole one die at a time, like you know, it's just like meh. Well, and when you roll like when you're like the worst dice on the card or whatever, you do get all those cheaty cards. You get cards. those little cheaty cards, which they and I don't know that some of them were good. Some of them were them not as much as I know. I've kind of forgot about some of mine. Like, oh, I, I used my whole hand because that's all I kept getting, and I used mm. them, but they weren't all that. Ex- it was like add one, you know what I mean? They weren't all that. Some exciting. of them let you choose. You you could roll your die and then choose what card you get yeah. to put it on, which is I, a good one. As soon as I started run, rolling ones and twos, I firmly set myself up to. I'm just gonna roll low and do the resource game, and it almost worked for me. I I think I got second in that game, um, but. It, yeah, it was okay. I have no desire to play it anymore, but I, I could see okay. it being more of a casual gamer family thing for, for some people. A lot of people were excited about it. I, I, I don't know if they had played it yet. It just looks good. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that people were excited about it because of the gameplay. Because the gameplay is sort of vanilla set collection, resource collection. But I don't know. I will try it again with more casual players. I bet my board game club will like it because that's usually what happens if something is a little bit too casual for my my convention crew it's perfect for board game club if you want yeah. something where you're like gambling on things and rolling polyhedral deck go play floating market that one oh, is, yeah, is much more interesting first, than this i don't think it sounds quite the same no it's but not. it's got that set collection piece and you know you know the whole like gambling on where you're putting your dice and how you place your certain valued dice and i can easily say i like floating market better as far as polyhedral dice go yeah that's a definitely better game and my board game club does like that one so yep it's good well i do want to hear more about what you guys have been playing but i also was wondering about some of the things that like were buzzing around um i know i mean there were a lot of games there i saw like some people playing Dragonfire. did that peak your interest in because of the shadow run system no nope. um there was I, purely on that dumb name i'm sorry. yeah <laughs> the game that i did not know existed was merlin which is a feld game from queen games it's just there in prototype form okay yeah we looked at it it looks yeah. like a feld okay 
there was Ex Libris, like we talked about, Photosynthesis. I'm just looking through some of the things. Uh, Wasteland Express seemed to do very well. Um, Fancy Flight had a bunch of announcements. They announced, like, Sid Meier's The New Civilization thingy a couple days before. While they were there, their big thing that they're coming out now is Star Wars miniatures game, like a ground battle thing. Does yeah. that pique your interest, Dan? You've, you've dabbled in, a, in, like, Infinity and stuff. Does having a Stormtrooper army excite you? Maybe. I mean, if I'm getting back into miniatures, I'm going back to Malifaux. That one's the yeah. best for me. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah. I got Anyways. you. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Like, Clank in Space, you kind of already reiterate. Like, this was a big, their big secret announcement. And then they were like, hey, it's got a modular board. And it's got three exclamation points. And it's the same game, but in space and not compatible with what you already own. So, that seemed a little anticlimactic. Um but they also announced the Overlight World. Did you guys see anything about that? Nope. So it turns out, and Dan, this will be close to you. So Overlight is a renegade property. They're creating a new universe. And the first release in it will be an RPG that is actually written by George and Paul from our game store. Um, they've they've developed oh, wow. the world and written the RPG that uh, Renegade will be releasing. Nice. So that's pretty cool. And then... I'm trying to think of what else there was the Fireball Island announcement. Does that get anybody jazzed? I'm kind of excited about it. I want to see what they do to make it more of a game. Yeah, I was, was going to say, how do you make that a game? Because it's but, a toy. Yeah. I mean, we had it when we were kids at my house, and we never played the game. <laughs> you just, just rolled get the, it out the fireballs down the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering what they'll do to add to it to make it more like a game. Yeah. That was... People were saying, like, oh, they've got their supposedly... They're going to release their new titles that they're doing for the next year, Restoration Games, that is, and they better have Fireball Island, and then they announced it, and everyone went crazy, and then everyone was like, ah, uh, what? Why are we excited about this again? But, I mean, it's cool. It's nostalgic. It's not nostalgic for me, because I was born a little bit later than Fireball Island, but I know that um, it holds a special place in people's hearts, but, like, Restoration Games, get on the Grape Escape or something. Like, I want to replay that. <laughs> Grape Escape. But... Um, give me a hero quest. Sorry, I had another. What were you saying? Get a hero quest going. Fireball Island. Yeah, like Tiff said. Like, how are you going to make that a game? And I think the reason people like it and it's so nostalgic is because of just what it is and what you got to do with it when you were a kid. Like, yeah, I don't like. I don't know. Like, I guess. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what they do. But when you were a kid, were like that. Like. I I have Pizza Party in a shadow box up in my game room because that so was good. like one of the first games that I ever played that I was like, this is so awesome. And I literally played it <laughs> once, like as an adult. And it's like matching. It's just it had cool components. That's always mm-hmm. sucked us in from the beginning of time. I was five years yeah. old and I was like, these components are sweet. So, I know. I'm just wondering what they're going to do to suck in 30-year-old me. You know what I mean? Like... Mm. I, you know, I'm excited by the prospect. I'm not, I like, I don't know if it's doable, but if it is, yep. that's going to be awesome. That was not the only Marvel related game because I forget the exact title of it, but I think, and I think it was, uh, Panasaurus has a it is. amusement park game coming out where you build an amusement park and roll marbles through it. It's got loop to loops and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yep. It's a Scott Olds cool. game. I forget what it's called. It's got art yeah. from Quantra. Coaster but- something. Yeah, yeah, coaster or something. Was it there anything pretty else cool. big that stuck out to you guys that I, I'm trying to like 
recall all the announcements off the top of my head, but I don't know, but I, I do know that I'm going to buy every game that Matigo puts out in the next six months because yeah. I sat down, demoed them all, and they're all phenomenal. Matigo is totally solid. What what kind of stuff do they have coming, Dan? Uh, the one I liked most, which is a Essen release, is called Meeple Circus, and I've already like this is this is a must buy. It's basically a a stacking game with a themed circus. Um. It's just different shaped meeples, like circus, like elephants and seals and clown with big feet meeples. And there's like these patterns you're trying to create within your stack. And each time you create that pattern, you get points. But the way you get the things to put in your stack is there's a draft of like the different performers that you're going to use. And it's, it was really fun. I had a blast with it. I sat down and did that with uh, Joe Pinchback and we were both like looking at each other like, we're really enjoying this and we didn't expect that. <laughs> so um, that was cool. And then there's a new Roberto Fraga, which is probably the one I'm most excited about with uh, art by Nighty. But this is, this is a kind of an abstract game using mirrors. So it's these, I, I don't even know how to describe it using a microphone, but there's these little like pillar things on the board. Think of like a, think of like rooks. I don't know, like on a chessboard, like pillar things, but they're cardboard and they're they're like little closets and you put you're going to put your figures in them and you're trying to get your figures off the board but the other player is trying to find your figures and the way you can do that is some of your little cardboard uh closet things have mirrors on them and if you can like line it up and to see his figure then you know where he like it just was oh so cool it's so hard to describe i apologize like yeah without seeing it it's called princess jing G-J-I-A-N-G. I think I tweeted about it, um, if people want to look at it. Um, but, man, that one that one got me super excited. And then the other one was, uh, I'm forgetting it. It's a uh, tile laying game that comes out at SN2. It's about, like, forests. Oh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. That's going to kill me. But, man, all three of those were, were really good. Kudos to Matigo. They always seem to do good work. I mean, all their games are are pretty solid. They've always got good production value. They tend to be hard, not hard to get, but like they they don't quite come out over here. I feel like they are kind of hard to get your hands on. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I've never had trouble. So yeah, they also had they also had Barony on display, which is one of my favorite games. I love that game underrated man underrated yeah i don't know why that even the guy at madigo was saying i was telling him i was like that's one of my favorite games he goes yeah i don't understand why it hasn't gotten more attention because it's really good i was like i know it's really good i preach about it so uh you dan did you buy the kama sutra game i did it's yeah it's got balloons and it's got a deck of cards with a bunch of naked people on it uh in really cute cartoony form I mean, the object of the game is just to like break the balloon using the the cards assigned uh, text. I'm going to keep it G rated. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, I don't think I'll ever play it, but I just kind of got it as a joke for Elsa. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and then I don't want to I don't want to reveal or trample on the game that you thought was kind of best of the con, but I I'm looking through kind of some of the things you saw. You got to see the Batman Conan thing man that oh man i'm so glad i sold my conan <laughs> this thing yeah. looks so this looks ridiculous i had to change my shorts after i saw that game yeah i was so excited oh it looks so pretty they had a great you display played, uh you played an escape room in a box 
I did. Deckscape from yeah. uh I never heard of that. It? It's from the guys who do Bang. Okay. I hadn't either. Um and it was like this little everything self-contained on these cards. Um uh, the one we played was the the Fate of London or the London something. The London one. Um it had some it had some really clever puzzles in it. We had a couple of stand-up moments of like, oh crap. Um so I there's actually two of them. I bought the second one, which is the I don't know the other one. It's like time crisis or something. So yeah. I'm looking forward to digging into that at some point. Nice. Did you like it better than the um, unlock the other like card based? I, I think I liked it better than unlock. Yeah. I don't like it better than the exit that I played. Okay. But I nice. think I liked it better than unlock. It was less frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Nice. Uh, Tiff. You played, you said you played like eight games. Was there anything else that stands out to you? Um, let me look real quick. Um, or even that you saw, I guess not even played, but. We played Valletta, which I thought was uh, good. Yeah. Mm. Dan's yeah, got some like issues it. with that. I did like it. And that's what that, makes me so angry about it is because. It, just, it had wow. some take that cards in it. Why? That, it needed. Oh. Yeah, I almost picked this up rough. and then I saw Dan's thing about it and I was like, oh, it might be hard to get played now. It's fine. Like it was a perfectly good mechanical system. This little deck building thing. Um, and there's all these cards on the table that you use your resources to buy, and then they go into your deck. Um, but there was, I think he said three or four that were like steal resources from other players. Like four cards out of like sixty. And I'm like, you're you're Stephandora. You don't. You can think of four other cards that don't involve because they stood out like a sore thumb amongst the rest of the kind of the vibe of the, the game. And the thing I, I that just drove me mad was like, so Patrice kept stealing my resources and, and stealing one resource in that game is pretty crucial in the early stages because it's a deck builder. So if you steal one of my coins and I just spent my card that gives me coins, I have to wait until my deck reshuffles to get those coins again kind of thing. And it was just, it set uh, like twice he stole resources from me and both times it set me back minimum two turns on my strategy, mm. um, which was, it was just driving me absolutely bonkers. I was like, I think just- when those cards are out there, you just have to like, once you know that's going to happen, you have to get a, you have to get yourself some cards that are going to get you a lot of resources. It I, worked for I, me. I, I, well, I guess. Because he stole from I, me too. I, and I get it, but and I did I great. Doing. I only lost by two points. Like I, I came back. Like I worked around it, but it just, it did not, it did not need to be in there at all. It didn't fit the vibe of the game. It didn't. It just, ugh. I, I didn't. I didn't care for that part of it. You could Do play you without them. Enough to like ruin the whole game, though. Like you guys no, got but super focused on those, and I was like, eh, it's a thing. It's not the worst. Uh, yeah, but you know when you're, uh, I don't know. I was competitively playing and I had a great strategy in place and it set my strategy back. And I, I honestly think if it wouldn't have done that, I would have, I would have won easily, but it was just driving me nuts. That's like, this doesn't need to be in here. Like this is a, this is a Euro, like kind of like, let's just do it. I, I think it's a good game and I, I would play without those like next time, but I don't need to, I don't need to own it. It didn't do anything completely new or different that I felt that it would get played over other Euro games of that kind of weight. Um, so I, I thought it was, I thought it was good if you take those cards out. I really did. 
do you think that you can play without those cards? Does that yeah, because you 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 don't play with all the cards every game. Oh, okay. Um, I think I think we we talked about that. I think you have to have one of them in there, right? Uh, I, I don't recall. I don't know. I was probably seeing red at that point. I don't recall <laughs> what the the actual um, setup was. But yeah, like if you could play without them at all, like I don't know, maybe because of the distribution of the colors, you need one of them. Um, that you might be right on that, Tiff. But uh, yeah, I thought that like the deck building mechanism was simple, and I mean, but it's just a deck building mechanism. Like it wasn't anything overly original. Um, you're just collecting it. the The cool thing was like the guy moving along the track, and if you built in the certain row, he gave you points. Like that was nice. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Tiff, correct me. I didn't find anything hugely unique or original in the game. I just thought it was a it was a smooth was- game. Yeah, well, and that's the thing that I liked about it. It was just a smooth game. It looked really complicated on the table, but the rules weren't that complicated. And yeah, it was it was it was nice. I enjoyed. I would have loved if those were regular size cards. It was it was really obnoxious <laughs> Can you at the beginning of the game. You'd need the hugest table in the history of the world to play the game if they were all regular. Yeah, or just cut down some columns or something. I don't know, but like that, it was really annoying. Hands. I don't mind the tiny. Well, no, no, no. I don't mind. I don't mind holding them. It was reading them like across the table. Mm. It was really tough to read for me. Sure. Um, across I the table because because they were so small. <laughs> so first couple of plays, once you're learning it, I, it it was kind of like oh god, Ugh. and there's so many of them. What was there like sixty or <laughs> something on the them. table? <laughs> I was it's like, I, uh, and most some of them had some overlap or were the same, but. It was like, oh, God, there's so many out here to choose from. It was kind of information overload kind of thing. I liked it, though. I enjoyed it. I would yeah, play I, it I would play it again. I don't I don't need to own it, though. I don't, yeah. I don't see it breaking through my other kind of things. If I'm going to play a deck builder-y thing, I'm going to play like a Rococo or something. True. All right. Well, let's cap it off with Dan's best game. I mean, like, uh, we live to hear Dan's opinions on what he likes in this world so what was the best thing you played dan whistle stop which is um, i was telling dan this yesterday tiff i don't know if you remember but we covered this in like a news episode i'm pretty sure we have a soundbite of dan like dismissing this game not like i did i did he was like i don't see why this game needs to exist i do but you know to be honest i i dismiss a lot of bezier games immediately because i just don't yeah I'm not a big fan of that company, but yeah, that's a different I'm not story. either. So let's hear, um, like, why is this game cool? Um, so this is designed by, um, is it Rich Rich Caputo? I guess it is. I, I, Caputo, I think, is his last name. It's the guy who did um, the, what's that Thailand game from Stronghold? Uh, Veluspa. Veluspa. Yeah. He designed that. He designed something else that I, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um, so this is a, this is a kind of a train, this is a train game, basically. Um, and you've got these tiles. So it sets up, you set up this framed board and you set up like there's a predefined setup for some of the, the things that are, they're randomized, but you're basically trying to gain the most points by delivering goods and collecting stock. So it's a very simplified train game. And I think that's what really appealed to me. Cause I got, I got that pickup and delivery feel and I got the stock market feel like kind of just in this super simplified package. So basically you, every turn there's two types of kind of resources you can spend to take actions and you can take four actions up to four actions on your turn. You've got coal and you've got whistles. 
Hence the whistle stop kind of thing. So Cole will allow you to move your train forward and or up and down in the same column. So the way the board kind of lines up, the hexes go in kind of columns, so to speak. Um, and then a whistle will allow you to move one or two spaces in any direction kind of thing. So if you want to go backwards to another depot or something, you need the whistles. And they're a little bit more scarce, so you've got to kind of collect them and, and use them sparingly. Coal is your kind of major resource. Every turn you're going to get two coal minimum, and then you can save and build up for bigger turns, etc. But uh, the kind of the cool thing is, so you have a hand of three tiles that have like varying track kind of things, and then there's these little um, little train stops along the way that you can collect resources at in different colors, um, and then you've got like special tiles. So these are like either cities or like depots that where you can gain more resources or whistles or coal. And then the cities, when you land on a city, you have to pay the resource cost to that city um, to gain points and take a stock. And if you land on that thing and you don't have the resources, you take a penalty of a certain amount of points. So you, you, it's not that big of a deal because most of the time you're not going to land on a city. If you can't pay for it, you're just going to try and work your way around it. Um, but the, the cool thing was, so you have these tiles in your hand and as your train kind of progresses left, you know, you're, you're going to hit like the edge of the, the setup tiles and then you can add a tile to that track so that you can maneuver your train that way. Um, and you get four, you know, in the four player game, you got four trains. I think it scales based on the number of players. So what was kind of neat was like, you could have two trains up at the top like running around collecting your resources and the two trains at the bottom are collecting you maybe some more coal or delivering to cities. So you can kind of, you can tactically and strategically kind of maneuver how you're utilizing your trains, um, which was, which was a lot of fun. Actually, it was a bit confusing at first. And then once we kind of got into the groove of it, we all are like, Oh yeah, that's all right. That's cool. And then once a train gets all the way to the end, so you can send them all the way to the left. And in the last column of the board, there's these like, bonus tiles and they're basically glorified cities. So you have to turn in a couple more resources, but you'll get like 20 points for doing this, or you'll get, you know, something long, something much bigger. Um, but that train then goes out of the game and you get to put them up on this resource chart and he collects you some bonus resources, but then you only have three to work with. So it's, it's a really interesting dynamic of timing when you're sending your trains, you know, off the board versus when you need them to utilize for resource collection and things like that. So, um, but the, you know, the spending, the coal and spending the super simple, just resource management system, action, taking select, uh, system. Um, I liked it. It was really, it's just really smooth game. And like I said, it was, it was relatively quick. I think we played four players in a little over an hour. Um, and that was with, you know, learning it and kind of getting the feel for it. But once we got into the groove, I think we were all, and it was super close at the end. I think we, um, Except for myself, I, mo I boned up. Um, and, you know, speaking of games you, you can kind of improve on, like we talked about earlier, like after my last turn, I said, crap. And they're like, what? I was like, I could have done this, this, and this. And it was it was a net 25 points I missed out on, <laughs> which is massive when I think I only scored 120. You know what I mean? Like it was it was huge. So I was I finished last, but I know why I finished last. And, you know, those guys were up there. I think... TC passed Joe Pinchback by like four points on the last turn. And then Ben was right behind those guys. So it was really close. Um, I, I think we all enjoyed it. I, I know I'll just speak for myself, um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'm looking forward to playing it. And 
you know, rumor from people I talked to at the convention was it scales really well. So I'm looking forward. It plays up to five. So I'm looking forward to seeing, um, seeing this again. Yeah. I really want to try this. You picked this up, right? I did. Yeah. Awesome. It sold out at the convention. It was one yeah. of the few games that sold out. Yeah. It's getting some good buzz. I'm seeing it pop up on, on the feeds that I follow and things like that. So, and Tiff, you didn't get to play this? No. No. But does it, you know, does this endorsement ring true for you? Does this bring it to your attention? Or are you kind of like, eh, train games? Uh, I don't know. Variety? I I have enough stuff that I need to get played before I even think about Whistle Stop. So, I don't know. I'm just like in a realistic place with it. Like, I'm not going to go out and That's buy fair. it. Yeah. I'm glad they yeah. all enjoyed it. And if I get a chance to play it, I definitely wouldn't say no. But I need to get my other stuff played first. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, that's cool. I mean, I'm glad you you found something that that really stands out. And it, I mean, yeah, it stood out amongst the rest of the crop, kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it I'm was. Saying. Yeah, because for me, this was a pretty. I, I didn't buy a lot because I wasn't tempted to buy a lot, which is is a good thing. I, I've always said I'm more of kind of. I think the Essen Hall is more where I live as far as yeah. my gaming taste and preference. Did you check out any inserts like you wanted to? Uh, no, I missed the inserts and I missed going back to the little bits shop that I wanted to go back uh, to. So yeah. just you get distracted very easily. Tiff, uh, did anything that we haven't talked about stand out as kind of the best thing that you interacted with or played or bought or? No, I think we talked about all the stuff that like really stood out. I did get to yeah. play on Sunday um, King Frog, which is like a cute little kind of racing game. Yeah. Action selection or uh card you you put out numbers and you move that many spaces it's pretty simple it was a 50 yeah. minute game and i think i might eventually pick that up for board game club but okay yeah we talked about all the stuff that i really liked nice well is there anything else that stands out in terms of gen con things that you you didn't get to say or highlight for the uh the listeners that didn't get to experience it i think that's no. it yeah no it was uh it's another good convention yeah nice did you guys, just from my knowledge, did you guys cross paths with many listeners? I know you talked about getting, like, meeting a couple people, but did you mostly stick to the crew that you guys see? No, I just kind of wandered. I yeah. don't really, I don't know. Okay. I mean. I was just wondering, because I know we got some good opportunities during Origins to, to meet a couple listeners and play some games, so. There's, there's too many people. You always leave it Gen Con feeling like, oh, I missed this one, this one, this one, this one, this you know. Yeah. You, you find yourself apologizing more than saying hi. Yeah. Just because there's, there's so many people and you got so much stuff to do. It's like, it's tough. Well, Jankon 50 in the bag. We'll see how uh, how next year goes in terms of it's not a hot anniversary. So what that means for publishers and things like that and, and ticket sales and whatever. But it sounds like it was a good time. Got a couple good games to play and... We can look forward to in the coming weeks and months to all the things coming out so that us, uh, us lay people who didn't make it can uh, get access to the games and start playing some stuff. And we look ahead to my convention experience with PAX Unplugged. I'm so excited to like actually get to go to another convention because Gen Con just wasn't in the, in the cards for me. But all right, with that, we wrap up episode 73 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Thank you all for joining us and thank you to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. They had a boatload of games there at the convention, and some of those games have started to trickle into game stores. I just saw uh, Lemuria and Okie Dokie and things like that. Those will be creeping out. You can check those out at your FLGS or your online game store. 
Uh, and yeah, you know where to find us, uh, all of our different places, podcasts and nonsensicalgamers.com. If you want to email, uh, the BGG guild number 2077, uh, you can join in some of the conversations over there. I appreciate some of the feedback that was given. Uh, I like when the community has something to say and they're like, Hey, I, you know, we noticed this on the show. I think, uh, people were concerned about our energy level. And I think that that's just more of a, I, I posted a little comment on there, but it's more just about real life, you know, and the show has always been about us getting together and just talking about games, whether that means we like them or not. And uh, we I think we've grown into gamers who start to recognize and, and be very critical of the games that we're playing. We've got big collections. We play a lot of things. So uh, the bell curve takes effect and, and a lot of the stuff we play just kind of it can't all be super exciting and that's a OK. And hopefully we're providing you views that uh, are informative and and feel very real because you know we don't script anything on this show and we just kind of bring whatever our thoughts are to the table so uh we appreciate that feedback on the guild and feel free to join in the conversation over there uh if you want to talk to us directly the best place to do that is twitter so tiff if they want to shout out to you and see what you're up to where do they do that i'm at an up gamer and dan if they want to chat with you and see what you've been up to where do they do that don't bother. No, I'm kidding. Uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> at League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Ned. Excellent. You can find me at Cinnamon Bun spelled phonetically. Thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next time on the podcast. Till then, everyone, say goodbye. Bye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.